This is Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Appalachian Vibes is a show dedicated to challenging the expectations and celebrating the diversity of music and art created in Appalachia. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Galax Tourism, made possible by Virginia is for Lovers. Last week, I took a trip to Fainting Goat Studios in Bedford, Virginia, to meet indie Americana artist Griffin Haley, studio musician Camry Harris, and the owner and engineer of Fainting Goat Studios, Willie Gurley. We talk about the songwriting process unique unto every artist, and Willie's magic touch that has elevated Fainting Goat Studios into one of the most sought-after recording spaces in Appalachia. That's the next hour on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. You're listening to Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. Today, my guest is Fainting Goat Americana artist Griffin Haley and studio musician Camry Harris. We continue our interview from last week's episode. What's your name? My name is Griffin Haley. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of music do you play? Oh, man, that's a, every kind, all of them, every one of them at once, you know, I mix them all together like a big old pot of gumbo or something. So tell me your name and how you, you fit into the mix here. Uh, my name is Camry Harris. Uh, I'm a, I kind of fit into the mix as a studio musician, um, but uh you know, with working with Willie and everything that's going on and, and my buddy Griffin, like, uh, you know, however he got acquainted with the studio, he brought me along once he started coming here quite a bit. And he was like, Cameron, I need you to come play on my album. He was like, you know, I need some drums and stuff done. And, you know, I got some stuff I can hear you on. So I was like, sure, I'll come down with you. And it's been a it's been a, an amazing start you to something I see that's beautiful and just growing to be like something, a very big thing. You wanna know how I got acquainted with the studio? I was playing with a rock band at Roanoke called the Fat Anchovies, and they like crashed Willie's party. And we walked in, and me and Willie got to talking. He's like, "You seem like uh, like you've you're more seasoned, and that like you're like a you you seem like you know like that you might have your own song. So come to the studio and we'll record." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, yeah." So I eventually. Hit him up. But Cameron Harris is my brother, like, from another mother. He, I mean, he lived with us at one point. Like, um, Cameron and I are, uh, we've known each other since we were five. So we are, in every sense of the word, siblings. Down to the fighting and the, like, hugging it out afterwards. Like, we're, we are siblings. Yeah, definitely. How old are you guys? 27. 27, okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, no, Fainting Goat is amazing. Willie Gurley, this whole situation he has here is like beautiful. I wouldn't want to work with any other engineer at this point right now with everything he's got going on and all the amazing people that's flowing in and out of here. Yeah, I would compare it directly to Sam Phillips and Sun Records. Like sometimes <laughs> I feel like Elvis Presley or Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> being up in here. Like, and he's he's Sam Phillips and he's just like, you know. I have grown so much just recording here, like mm-hmm. as an artist, as a musician, as a songwriter. Like just being here has boosted my confidence, like 
tenfold. Like, it's fantastic. So what kind of stuff do you add to the songs? Yeah, so on Odin's Call, uh, that's like a really heavy song. Like, mm. that song's heavy. And, like, me and Griffin grew up, like, playing a lot of rock stuff together. Um, you know, I back when I was, like, I'm 27 now. Back when I was, like, 21 through, like, 25, like, I went crazy on the drums. Like, rock was my thing. Like, I loved mm-hmm. listening to, like, heavy metal, like, Slipknot and stuff like that. So, and, you know, I grew up uh, playing uh, gospel music, and I was in a black gospel church. So, like, it was, the music was, like, always, like, very just high, powerful kind of stuff, you know? Um, and Griffin kind of put me in an element when he wrote Odin's Call because it's such a heavy, like, rocker song. Like, I literally did heavy metal licks in it, and it was just, like, I mean, that song just ate it up. It was amazing. So what does Odin's voice sound like? What does Odin's voice sound like? Yeah. Well, it's more sung from the perspective of somebody, like, waiting for Odin's Call. Like, the Mm. lyrics kind of go, I'm just waiting on Odin's Call. Like, um... Honestly, it came from playing God of War, the video game at first. I was just like, you know, I'm such a video game nerd and I love playing games and seeing stories. I just like writing things like story wise. So like it came from that. And then I got real into Norse mythology, like reading it. And, uh, you know, and it just kind of came out of that was like me being a complete and utter nerd, like similar, you know, Led Zeppelin were a bunch of nerds. Like they were all, Mm -hmm. you come from the land of the ice and snow kind (laughs) of, but it's just about as, about as heavy as that song is. Like it's my immigrant song, so to speak.
that was Odin's Call from Griffin Haley. You can learn more about Griffin Haley on Facebook and Instagram, or head over to AppalachianVibes.net for more information. Coming up, it's owner and engineer of Fainting Goat Studios, Willie Gurley. That's next on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. This is Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. My next guest is Willie Gurley, the owner and engineer of Fainting Goat Studios. In addition to his many talents behind the soundboard, he's also a budding songwriter and artist. So the man of the hour. The man of the hour. He's yeah, here. Yeah, he's here. That's what they tell me. Yeah. But who knows if it's for real? You know, maybe. Does everybody think that? You know, we don't know. I guess it's just <laughs> up for interpretation. What's your name? I'm Willie, Willie Gurley, uh, and I'm the owner of Fainting Goat Studio uh, in Bedford, Virginia, and I basically just make records for a living. Yeah, so you actually started this business when you were in high school, didn't you? Yeah, so the way that it worked is when I was in middle school, which would have been about 2006, whatever grade I was in corresponds with what year it was. So it was like sixth grade was 2006. Okay, so right gotcha. around there was uh, when the shell of the studio got built. My dad spent all of the college money he had saved for me to build this place. And he was like, you can use it as a business in the future if you choose to, but if you want to go to college for something, whatever it is, we, you can do that and we'll just figure it out. So it was kind of always there to for it to potentially be a business. And it's in the backyard of my house. I got to try to remember that people don't always know. They For those who haven't been here before, my house is like exactly 56 steps from the front door <laughs> of the studio. Of course, being a kid who already loved music, I was all over it. And it just kind of spiraled out of control to the point to where I'm still doing it today. So my dad and his friend and also my friend, Charlie Exley, basically did all the interior of the building where they did the walls, they did the wiring, the plumbing and all of it. So they're the people who set it up for the way that it looks and put everything kind of in place. And then we basically started collecting stuff. Like my dad already kind of had like an electric guitar with an amp and like a basic PA system and a drum set, kind of like the basic one of everything for just a typical band and like an old uh, Zoom mixer. It was 24 channels. This is the first one I learned about. And then uh, by the time I was in about, I'd say, 10th grade-ish, maybe 11th grade, we got our first sound console, which was a Presonus Studio Live 24-channel console. And I used it until it, it broke, basically, just to keep it easy. It broke. And uh, <laughs> But Presonus was so nice to me. I went to my first NAMM show that year that it broke and I met the president of the company and all everybody else that worked there. But the president's name was Jim Odom. And he spoke to me like, I remember being your age and working out of my parents' garage and nobody would ever give me a chance. And I had to do everything on my own and just keep trying and failing. And it was just, I just, you know, nobody cared about what I was doing at first. You know, he's telling me stuff like this mm. and I'm like, and he's telling me stuff about the new console that like the latest great, the console that I have now, which is the Studio Live 32 channel for those who are interested, uh, is the first version of that. 
it was the latest, greatest thing at the time. And I'm sitting there standing next to it, learning all about it. And he comes out of the clouds like a, like a, you know, like a mystical being and the light shining down. He's like, Oh, what would you like to know, my sir? So I think he remembered this conversation. It was at an after party in a coffee shop in Nashville. And, uh, a couple of weeks later, my console at the studio busted when I had customers here and I emailed him and he emailed me right back and hooked me up with the latest, greatest console at the time for the cost to build it. You know, so it was made it to where I could afford it basically. And he fixed my old console, which was discontinued. I couldn't buy parts or nothing. So he took it back and fixed it and then sent it back to me. So then I got, so I got two consoles and that's the one that's up at my house. I have a second studio set up in my house because we got so many people coming in here that I just need more places to do things and more places to store things. People keep leaving stuff here. That is awesome. And it's, you know, eventually you have one of everything. I can't go into a music store anywhere. Oh, you have a Nord? Yeah, we got the Nord Grand. So that's a funny story about that is my dad loves to play the piano but he's never really like been in bands or anything he's always been like a collector and he like plays kind of privately and he'll kind of jam when people come over and stuff but like it was never like like i do where he i go out and play shows and then play in bands and stuff for a living uh he always owned restaurants and stuff like that um and he booked music which is how i got to know a lot of the musicians at first but he always liked to have nice stuff and uh, when he could afford it and all that kind of a thing. So the Nord was like, hey, let's go ahead and just go ahead and get something really nice for the studio. But that way you got something really nice to play, too, you know, and it's like covers all the bases. And then like a week later, this would have been January a couple of years ago, I get this email I come up from this session. I've been working all day. It's like a 10 hour day. And I was like, man, my brain is fried. And I sit down and my dad goes, did you check your email today? And I was like, nah, man, I've been, I've been working. And he's like, uh, so you're tired. I guess you're too tired to look and see, you know, that Charlie Daniels uh, keyboard player emailed you. And I was like, whatever, man, it's probably a scam. He's like, I don't know, man. I read the email. Looks pretty legit to me. I checked him out already. You might want to look at it. So I looked at it and it was legitimate. It was who my now, my good friend. I usually try to let him spill the beans, but this is my interview. I love you, Shannon. Uh, and this is how it happened. So uh, I usually let him tell his stories, you know, about people that he knows and things like that. But um, he's gotten to be one of my best friends now. And it's because he had moved back to Roanoke and was just reaching out to places and kind of casting out lines, you know, trying to meet people and see what kind of business he can find. And so we had him come out, and he played on the Nord, and he was like, oh, you got one of these Nords, huh? You know, so. And then, you know, he started working with us, and he brought this organ that, you know, we're sitting in this big studio room right now looking at all this cool stuff, and there's rare vintage things everywhere. But one of the coolest things that is in here is this organ that Mr. Shannon Wickline brought to us. It's a 19, if I remember right, 1956 Hammond C3 the only difference between a B3 and a C3 is the C stands for the church organ model. Right. It's got the deeper body, so it covers the skirt level of mm-hmm. the females playing. Uh, but internally, <laughs> it all works exactly the same. And it's the one that he played on tour with the Charlie Daniels Band. And we got the original uh, Leslie speaker that comes with it. Wow. And uh, it's just one of the coolest, rarest things you can find. And it's got all kinds of marks on it from, like, Charlie Daniels beating it up and stuff. So it's just got a lot of cool history with it. It's the road case right there. 
the Charlie Daniels sticker on it. It's cool. So like, as cool as that is, there's been a lot of things like that that just seem to pop up out of nowhere that have been cool and awesome, you know. And it's I mainly I think, you know, yeah, I work really hard and I do good at this, and it's grown from a long period of time. But I think it's people are starting to find out that it's here, and people that have really good songs are writing really good songs and doing them here and other people are hearing it and then now they want to get involved and now everybody at least for the for the most part knows about it. I haven't been able to name the bands yet, but I got like a few different studio bands. Okay. So the A team is what we call like our best A, you know, our veterans are yeah. our guys who've been doing it a long time and are calm, you know, and they can bust out a complete song from nothing in like an hour. Mm-hmm. And they always come in here as a live band. The rotation changes a little bit depending on like what kind of music we're playing, but for the most part, it's like Rob Vaughn on drums, um, Mike Riley on the bass, who is one of the longest running fainting goats that there is, and also one of my best buddies. And he designs a lot of the custom wood stuff in here. Like you were talking about, like man, this desk looks awesome. He built all that, all these shelves right here. Yeah. He built the entire enclosure, our entire enclosed porch oh, out there. That's All beautiful. Mike Rowley. He's a yeah, champ. Yeah, wow. And he's a fantastic bass player. He plays bass like Paul McCartney. Uh, then we got Shannon Wickline on the keys and the organ. And he's a fantastic electric guitar player and bass player. And But we have all kinds of other people, too. We have Hoppy Vaughn play the guitar. We have Brian Mesco play the guitar. We have Willis Greenstreet just blowing people's minds on the saxophone and also the electric guitar. You know, so, and Jamie L, Alan, you know, I, I know you know a lot of these Jamil, people. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to not leave off their last names like everybody else in the world knows who they are, too. So, uh, <laughs> right, That's you know. true. Um, and all these people are, like, they're fantastic. And there's others. I'm sure there's others. But then I also have, like, little JV teams. You know, like my band, Earthbound Creatures, is like the young up-and-coming guys. And you've got Evan Goodwin on the drums and Evelyn Deegan from the Fat Anchovies singing, and she's fantastic. Powerhouse. Uh, Tyler Warren. Are you singing? Yeah, I'm also. So me and Evelyn are like both the lead singers. And, you know, she's a girl. I'm a guy, and we harmonize a lot. And sometimes we just take turns singing songs. My buddy Brad Freeman, best friend who plays bass, in the uh, Earthbound Creatures, also sings songs too. And then uh, we have other members kind of jump up and down. Like we just went to Maryland and played a theater up there with Tony Kim and the Funk All-Stars, and we kind of opened up for them, and it was the Funketeers Ball. And so we were like Funkadelic, and Tony Kim's band was like Parliament. But they had Michael Hampton and Kendra Foster. Kendra Foster sang with D'Angelo and... Parliament and Michael Hampton is one of the original guitar players from Parliament Funkadelic and is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his absolutely amazing ability. Blew my mind the whole night. But we got to go meet and play with all these people and played this real nice theater. It was just two, like two weeks ago. Cool. So, and uh, we all came back and practiced last night and everybody's having a blast and, you know, it's. Everybody was hyped up from having a good, like, little mini tour, I guess. Like, I think last that I heard about uh, Earth Brown Creatures, you guys were doing, like, a lot of cover songs and stuff. Yeah, so we have kind of dabbled in writing songs. We have <laughs> in, usually end up being, like, the backup band for people who don't have bands. 
which is kind of where I was going, but I get sidetracked easy. Now, however, we did write a song yesterday at practice, and we've kind of done a few original songs that are out. Um, one song was a Caleb Michael Secchi song that is out mm-hmm. there. It's called Fold. And then he kind of helped us with a song, um, but it's not finished. And then uh, I've written a few songs of my own and kind of put them out there just in my free time. But it's only been recently where as a band, like, we're just firing on all pistons and everybody kind of knows where everybody's going to go and we're all comfortable and we've experienced a lot of stuff together. I know who you are, you're way too scared to say Dead is high and you don't want to pay Your table full of strangers getting wasted And we both know your shit at lying Can't bluff but still you try it Lay it down
So I fold. Or should I call? it feel being behind the board versus being the front man? Like what kind of, what kind of personality traits come out? Do you feel comfortable in that space or do you feel more comfortable? I feel very comfortable in both spaces. I've always been like a leader in the bands, like ever since I was a kid growing up as like, you know, I was in the school bands and all that and the marching bands and it would start off as like Trump or like section leader and then it got to be a you're a leader of a larger group and a leader of a larger group and then you know you graduate and you don't have to you're not in a band with people that many people anymore you just have like this little four piece and so i try not to be like the leader i just try to play to everybody's strengths all the time mm-hmm. and but also at the same time like if i feel like we need to change directions like you know i kind of push us in the direction that we need to go. And every once in a while, other people will kind of take control and like somebody will do something and we'll all get excited and go off on a tangent or whatever. So tell me about your songs then. My songs just kind of come out like, I, <clears throat> I start a lot of songs, but I don't finish them. I've got like five really good ones, I think, that are like 70% finished and I just, I don't know what my problem is. I just can't finish them. I think everybody experiences that to some degree. Yeah. At some point they get finished, but... The two that I have completed were ones that were like, everything just fell into place right away. And it took me like an hour to write the songs and finish them. And I, at least I knew how they were going to go. And I always try to record it on my phone first and then just develop it. But I try not to spend so much time developing it, I get exhausted. So like the first song that I ever wrote is called Under the Skin. And I tried to really go 
So I figured it was my first song. I tried to do everything the best that I could. So I really went all the way with it. It's like a hundred and something tracks. Yeah, it's like, but it's only like 30 or 40 tracks of it. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but 30 or 40 tracks of it is the band. But then like the other 60 tracks is all just vocals. Shut and up. Pieces. It's a lot of layers. You'll hear it. <laughs> so Amanda hasn't heard any of this music yet, by the way. So when not. she's editing all this later or putting all this together, she's going to be like, what? And the? I'm going to edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling my secret. What is going on? No, keep it in for the authenticity. <laughs> I'm going to say it every 30 seconds. Uh, but so it's going to be like a surprise to everybody. And I think. It's kind of was like that to the people because nobody was expecting me to really write a song. So all of a sudden, oh, yeah, well, you know, I wrote this song. Here's my first one. And I th- and it was really well received as far as uh, everybody actually liking it. Well, tell me about like what the what the meaning behind it is. What does under the skin mean? It was about, you know, a girl. Durr. Everybody writes songs about girls. And uh, but the whole point of it is what like girl? once I got into as it was a fling thing. It was not even anything. You look back on it and you go, what the, what was I even thinking? Caught myself. There you go. And uh, so anyway. So when all was, of the lyrics when the was song, this girl? This would have been about July, a couple of years ago, around okay. July 4th, end of July. I remember it being about that time. What are some of the lyrics? Uh, well, because some of the, all of the lyrics have something to do with like, uh, touch and your body and and body parts and things like that so it's like i'm trying to remember them on the spot right now but it's like uh, it basically means like you can't wash it all you can't get it off like it's i think about you all the time it's like chiggers under your skin exactly it's it's an infestation so and you have to work hard to rid yourself of it you know what i mean so the song and that's what the song kind of did for me was like this is how I feel, and okay, now I don't feel that way anymore. All right, we were able. That was like your purging. That was of like yourself. you know, people say that they express themselves in their songs. Well, yeah. that was me expressing it in that song, and I would say if you listen to it, especially compared to the second song, which is called "In My Dreams." Um, the first song, "Under the Skin," is like you can really hear me. I think learning how to put all the songs together and learning how to sing lead on a song because, you know, that was the first time I really had to do that. And uh, so I try not to ever go back and, I could do that better now. I could make this such a better song now. I try to keep it as like, hey, this is my first one and it's like honest. Breathe in, find peace 
That was Under the Skin by Willie Gurley. The conversation continues next on Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. You're listening to Appalachian Vibes from WNCW. I'm your host, Amanda Baki. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Willie Gurley, owner, engineer, and artist at Fainting Goat Studios. And my dreams came a few months later. And they just happen. I have no control. So um, it is, I think, this tonal quality of how it's put together and how it's arranged and the way everything is sounds is a lot more put together. It's a lot more, oh, I can do this. It, that was me. The first song was like, can I do this? The mm-hmm. second song was like, well, everybody loved it. And you know what? I kind of like it too. And yeah, I think I can do this because I sent it to... Uh, a guy who is a very well, uh, highly acclaimed, I guess you could say, uh, record producer, mm-hmm. uh, and one of my favorite mixing engineers. His name is Daryl Thorpe, and uh, he's done, I'm not going to do a bunch of name drops, but a lot of my favorite records that I ever listened to, he usually was like the guy who either recorded it or mixed it. Um, so I just kind of found him on Facebook and sent him a message and asked him some some opinions and he was like yeah you know this is he had nothing but good things to say and so the other uh producer had very positive things to say about like the mixing and the mastering and the arrangement and the music kind of dinged me on my lyrics a little bit if we're going to be honest but that's just his opinion (laughs) yeah and you got to remember that no matter who says it to you if you're an artist you have to remember that you're writing how you feel or you're trying to get your message across you're never going to be able to ever please everybody or no matter how you say something, everybody's never going to be able to just understand. They're always going to mm-hmm. interpret it the way they want to interpret it, and that's their business, you know. So what was the what was the lyric he? Uh, he he just his main thing was like he didn't get too specific, but it was something like along the lines of for some songs lyrics that don't necessarily make the most sense. It's absolutely fine. And it's just kind of goes with the vibe of the song. And that's cool. He said, and if that's what you're doing, that's cool. He said it, but I should be able to read these lyrics like a poem without any music and feel like I understand what you're telling me. And, uh, I was like, I definitely understand what you mean. However, I've already basically finished it, and I don't feel like changing it. But I'm going to take that piece of knowledge yeah. that you gave me. I now know that that's what somebody like him and in the future looks for. Like mm-hmm. I, w- that was not what I was expecting him to mm-hmm. ding me on. Yeah, you know, I have all kinds of other people like that too that I think are a couple of steps further ahead of where I am, and I try to. I want them to see one, see me as a peer, not just like some bottom feeder or whatever they think. No. You know what I mean? So I try to always approach people from an aspect of, hey, let's like try to do some business together or yeah. what is your opinion on this? I'm not, I try not to ever just ask things from people up front. And um, I went to Nashville for that NAM show. I told you I met that president of Personas, Jim yeah. Odom. I also, by accident, ended up staying at the house of my friend Dan Hodges, who is Dan Hodges' music publishing he and he has done all kinds of the most famous people 
And uh, again, I don't like name dropping a bunch. You can go look him up and follow him on Facebook and support his business if you are into that. But Griffin said that I sent his song Preserve to, that's the person that I sent it to. Oh, okay, cool. He knows what a good industry song sounds like. He knows what at least people at that level of business, like with Sony Music Corporation and all that, he knows what they're looking for because he does business with them every day so he's kind of like my little window into how far off the mark am i would you you do it if they didn't like it do you mean like uh do i send them stuff that i know they don't like no no i mean like you said um you wrote your first song and then people liked it you got you got positive feedback Mm -hmm. but had you not received that positive feedback or had they said this is trash i hate it would Uh, you have made another song I don't think it would have stopped me from making another song because I just don't. That's yeah. not who. I don't feel like that's who I am. Like, yeah, I don't really care that much about your opinion. I yeah. mean, you can tell me. I'd love to hear it. And, and I don't mean you specifically. I mean, just people in general. I understand. But I know that you're never going to make everybody happy. And no matter what you put out, as long as you feel good about it, somebody else is going to like it, too. And maybe the only person that likes it is the only person that needs to hear whatever message you're trying to get across. And that's fine, too. So do you ever feel like all the analyzing? Because I can see your engineer brain working, trying it to like... doesn't shut off. Trying to, trying to categorize and like specify and target the right number. Uh, like how many times should I say a truck in a country song? I try not to do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being facetious, yeah. but you understand what I'm saying? Well, does, I can tell you about that- as far as putting the words and stuff like that together, Chris Cornell is one of my favorites mm. of all time. And I don't really know much about writing songs because I didn't, I don't even like writing poems. I, I, I like reading a lot, but I never really was fond of just, I wasn't a person who just sits down and writes. Like some people mm. are, I got to write in my diary or my journal or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I never had any interest in doing that. But I learned things about writing songs from the people that come in here. I learned from everybody, no matter how good they are. They all have do stuff a little weird or differently. Somebody has like their own little spin on something. But Chris Cornell said in a video one time, like, I, you know, I try not to edit too much. I just write it down and, you know, that's what it is. I might just rearrange the order or something. But I, he said, the line he said was, I try not to edit too much. So I basically just hum along to what my guitar part is until I get a word that I like. And then that's like a concept. Hmm. And then I just try to build around the concept until I get like a good verse or a good chorus. And then I just try to write another part. And I try to keep it simple enough to where it doesn't have to be the most complex thing ever. You know, I just try to use simple easy things that I can play out, stuff that transitions and moves well together. And I like to reuse lines and concepts, maybe like the last two lines of the first verse is also the last two lines of the second verse. One of my favorite songwriting techniques is to have everything, introduce every part individually, and then at the end have them all overlap. You know, and if your songs have too Mm. many different chord changes, you can't do, you can't do that because they don't fit together on top of each other. Um, so I like to use my arranging and uh, the, my structuring to keep my songs cool and unique and interesting rather than sitting alone in my bedroom trying to come up. Because that's something I, th- I see people get caught up with on, on their own all the time is like they hear how a song should be in their head, but they are maybe by themselves and they just play like they feel like they have to play everything on the guitar. 
Guitar, guitar, guitar. <laughs> However you want to say it. Guitar. I hear, I hear We're some, in Bedford, Virginia. Tell everybody where we are. Listen, Bedford, Virginia. <laughs> I hear so many different ways of saying all the different names of instruments that I kind of adopt all of them. Guitar. So. That's what I call it. Yeah. So um, I just, I try to let the... Just use layers to keep things interesting, you know, nothing new. But, um, yeah. but what is in my dreams about? Who's so, in your dreams? Well, actually, this one's funny. This one is not about uh, love like you might think it is. This is just a That's kind funny. of an out of a conversation. He had a dream about a devil. Yeah. Griff, Griffin's one of my favorites. Griffin and Carly and Camry and all them and uh, the team they were talking about in the other interview, they're like one of my other up-and-coming teams like cool. they can bust out just to get a song as anybody um but in my dreams is about I, we had this waitress this one time uh at the clam my parents restaurant it's called clam diggers she started working there and i like to kind of mess with everybody and kind of see what their level of personality is and one of the questions i always ask people that i meet could be strangers at a show just trying to talk to me Customers that come in here for the first time doesn't matter. Same question. I have a lot of questions I ask on repeat. Mm-hmm. One of them is, "What do you uh, What do you do? Do you sing or do you play?" And when the people say, "No, I don't play anything," I say, "Well, you must be a pretty great singer then if you don't play anything, you know." And they go, "Well, you know, I sing in the shower or whatever, or I, I sing in my car." And I go, "See, I knew it." Yeah, I knew you could sing. Go ahead and sing me something. And, and it's <laughs> a challenge. Yeah, just to see, like. How will they respond? Because you'll be surprised at who will do it. Sometimes the most shy people that you would think, oh, they're never going to do it, is, uh, will blow you away. And you'd just be like, man, I did not see that coming. <laughs> How awesome is that? So I've found that artists and musicians that really love it and are, will take every opportunity that they can to uh, sing you something, whether they think they're good or not. So I asked this girl when she started working the same kind of questions. What do you play? Oh, you know, I don't play anything. So you must be a pretty great singer then. Oh, well, you know, I used to sing a long time ago, but, you know, I don't sing anymore. And I was like, well, sing me something. You know, and she uh, said... She did something. She just did some kind of like little bluesy run, and she used the words in my dreams. And I went, "Huh?" She was just this like little three second clip hmm. came out sounding cool. And I didn't like use her melody or rhythm or anything that she. I just thought those words were funny, and it stuck with me that hmm. she just did it right there on the spot, you know, because I wasn't expecting her to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It just came out with. It just, it just happened, and uh, it's it's just a story about a person who is lost mm. and just needs a little bit of help because she had her problems. That's why she was up here, just getting away from the bad people, and uh, so she was getting Drug her life land. back on track. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so with that as a little bit of a backstory, I was like, you know, this person is so nice and like such a spiritual person and she's like she'll do anything to help you kind of a thing like it's a shame all these terrible things happened yeah you know so it's kind of like a just somebody who needs a chance somebody who is like you know if you just extend your hand you know you can get somebody out of a bad situation if you just help somebody when they ask you for it 
It's just a I just a song I enjoyed making really. Did I think about any of that when I actually wrote anything down? No. That uh no I did <laughs> I not. signed meaning later. No, that is just how my brain associated it at this time. So let's just be very clear about that. <laughs> we have completely made this up right now. Yeah, well <laughs> no, kidding. I think it's important to make sure people understand things like that because a lot of the interviews and stuff that you see on TV or YouTube or whatever about the person that you like, whatever, it's like oh, that's that s- one time they said that, that one time, that one day. They probably don't even remember saying that. You know, Who knows if that's really how they genuinely feel sometimes or if right. they were just messing around. And I like it when people like to tell me what my songs are about. It cracks mm-hmm. me up because I don't know, <laughs> right? And they're like, this is obviously what it was about, right? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, you, nailed you it. got it. You got it. <laughs> Great job. Star. I'm not a jerk. Jerk. Thank you. I, I try not to be a jerk, but, you know, just <laughs> internally I'm laughing at like, man, it's crazy. Like, how did their brain even come up with this? That's fascinating. That was Willie Gurley, owner and engineer of Fainting Goat Studios. You can learn more about the Fainting Goat at faininggoatstudios.com. Thank you to Willie Gurley for recording today's interviews. Thank you to my guests, and a special thanks to Pelmyra the band for the intro and outro music. Appalachian Vibes is brought to you by Galax Tourism, made possible by Virginia is for Lovers. Galax Tourism, building our future while celebrating our past. You can learn more about Galax at visitgalax.com. Appalachian Vibes is listener-nominated. You can nominate an artist at AppalachianVibes.net. You can also catch up on past episodes there. 
I'm Amanda Baki. I'll see y'all next Saturday at 6 a.m. for the full hour of Appalachian Vibes from WNCW.